Hey, welcome again to All Things Apostolic on this Wednesday. We are always happy to have you with us. We have actually been talking about since Monday of one of the most exciting subjects in the Bible, especially for any of us who are in the church, and that is the rapture. Uh, now, rapture, of course, is not a Bible word. Um, well, it is if you're reading a Latin Bible, then it is a Bible word. If you're reading an English Bible, uh, when we say uh, rapture, you could put, which would be correct, catching away or catching up uh, the people of God. If you go to the Greek, then you would say snatched. We're going to be snatched out of this world. This is not found in the Old Testament. This is only in the New Testament. People didn't know about this until the Apostle Paul taught them this because it was given to Paul by revelation. We saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read verses 13 through 28 yesterday. We're not going to read them all today, but um, there that he said, this is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Paul and explained to him how this was going to take place. We also talked about the fact that these people... Um, uh, were distressed. They were distressed because their loved ones, some of their loved ones had died before the rapture took place, before the Lord came to catch them away. This shows you how imminent they thought the return of the Lord was. And uh, now some of the relatives have died and they're going to miss the rapture. They were distressed about it. They did not understand it. So the Apostle Paul here in First Thessalonians, which is the first letter he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, when we say it's the first letter he wrote, it's the first one we have that he wrote. We don't know how many times he wrote to all these churches. We know he wrote, for example, we know he wrote a letter to the church at Laodicea, and none of us have ever seen it. Uh, but he mentions it in one of his other letters to another church. So be that as it may, um, this is written to the church at Thessalonica. And this they're troubled. They're upset. They're sad because of the passing of some of the relatives. And the church had been under some persecution, and some of them may have died from the persecution. We're not sure. But uh, at any rate, this is, uh, this is the situation that Paul is addressing. And so he explains to them the sequence of the coming of the rapture and that, um, and that the, uh, the dead in Christ, when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, I've also mentioned this, but it's a very important point. He, he repeats a, a lot of this and even elaborates on this more in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is written to a different church, to a different city. Now, when we say to a different church, in most of these cities, there were many churches uh, because the church was big and there were multiplied thousands of people in many of these churches. And so there was churches everywhere, probably scores of house churches and wherever they could meet. But when he wrote a letter to them, he wrote it to everybody and they made sure that letter was disseminated to everybody in the city. So with that in mind, when he writes to these people, he is letting them know that first the dead in Christ shall rise. And in Corinthians, he goes into a big discussion and a pretty elaborate discussion that a seed falls into the ground, and that's like a person being buried. And 
that which comes up is not the seed which was buried in the ground. It's, it's, actually, it's actually the product of that seed. Out of that seed comes this new thing, or in our case, new body. But, but it comes out of the seed that is planted in the ground. So, so who we are and our identity, you have people ask this question lots of times. Well, what about my identity uh, when I get to heaven? Will I know people? Will they know me? Will I still look the same? Well, your identity will be the same. Now, we don't know exactly what our new bodies are going to look like. And the Apostle John verifies this. He said, we don't know what we will be like, but we know we shall be like him. Think about that a minute. So after his resurrection, he visited disciples that uh, at first didn't know who he was. Pretty interesting. But after a little while, they knew this is our Lord. Also, he visited Mary. And Mary, it took a little bit, but she recognized who he was. And the Bible also lets us know that we, we will be like he is and we will know as we are known. So will you know me if you know me now? Yes, you will know me. And will I know you? Yes, I will know you. So let's get along here so we will be able to enjoy being together there. Anyway, um, so th these people also had been taught about the subject, and this is kind of where we interested uh, ended yesterday, about the day of the Lord. And they were afraid that uh, by missing the rapture, these people, these, these people would go into the day of the Lord. And they knew about the day of the Lord because Paul makes it clear they'd already been taught about the day of the Lord. So what is the day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is, is a phrase that is spoken many times in the Old Testament. And this phrase indicates a period of time in which consummating judgment, the final judgment of this world as we know it now, the end of the age would be a better way to put it, takes place. And at the end of the age, there is this period of time called the day of the Lord. Now, it's called numerous things in the Old Testament um, that revolve around the idea of the day of the Lord. But these things that it revolves around uh, mainly is like, um, I'll, I'll try to give you a whole list of, of the things that it's called. But it's also spoken of by uh, Daniel the prophet as uh, the 70th week. And um, it's also spoken of by Jeremiah as the day of Jacob's trouble. And the Lord uh, gave Paul this revelation that before that day took place, this is the, that day is the time when the Antichrist will be revealed. That time is the time when the, uh, everybody worries about the mark of the beast, the 666. It's during the day of the Lord that the Antichrist sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, sets up his temple in Jerusalem, puts an image of himself in the in the temple in Jerusalem, which is the ultimate sacrilege, and, um, and declares himself to be uh, a god. And all of this all of this takes place during this time of Jacob's trouble. He will make a covenant with Israel at the beginning of the uh, 70th week, which is seven years. 
he will, in the middle of that covenant, he in the middle of that seven years, he will break that covenant. He will turn against Israel. He will attack them with a viciousness which they've never known. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, would be a time that was such as has never been known in the history of man, a time of judgment and doom. Uh, most of the scriptures which refer to the day of the Lord refer to doom, refer to judgment. When you read Joel and you read chapter 2 and you read the darkness that comes upon the earth and many other Old Testament prophetic scriptures, the day of the Lord is not a day of pleasantness. So these people, they somebody had been teaching that because you're being persecuted, evidently, the day of the Lord has already come. So Paul's answering their questions to comfort them with further understanding and knowledge. So five times in 1 Thessalonians, Paul speaks of the future coming of the Lord. Each chapter, he closes with a reference to the return of the Lord. This is a book about the rapture and what ensues immediately after the rapture. Three times during this book, Paul refers to the subject of wrath because uh, the day of the Lord is already is also numerous times in the Old Testament and in the Old and in the New Testament. It is numerous times referred to as the wrath of God, the day of God's wrath. And so Paul refers to the wrath three times in this book, and two times of those three are unquestionably what we would call an eschatological. Uh, it is a prophetic statement. Uh, it's about prophecy. The first time he uses it is in chapter 1, verse 10, which states, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Make no mistake, these people knew exactly what the wrath to come was. They knew it was the coming of the day of the Lord. But Paul here wants them to know clearly that they that Jesus Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come, not in the wrath to come, not purifying us by the wrath to come, but delivered from the wrath to come. Remember, this is a book of comfort. It wouldn't be comfort if he said, well, you're going to go through the wrath. They're going to cut your head off. They're going to burn your kids. They're going to on and on. That would not be comforting. But he is comforting them that Jesus Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. The second uh, eschatological use of uh, the subject of wrath in this book that we have been looking at in 1 Thessalonians is found in chapter 5, verse 9, which states, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a pretty strong statement. I mean, it's it's pretty unequivocal. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Now, most of you probably already know that the word salvation includes just as strongly as, as the definition salvation. It includes the meaning of deliverance. So it's certainly not uh, wrong, and it stays true uh, to the original Greek, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain deliverance. Deliverance from what? Deliverance from the wrath to come by our Lord Jesus Christ. So these saints were evidently fearing that they'd already missed the rapture, the catching away. Somebody was teaching that, well, this is the day of the Lord's already here. We're, we're in the judgment time. And this would leave them here for this day of the Lord in all the things that they'd learned about it from the apostle and from the Old Testament. 
and they this this would terrify them that they would still be here um, when this was coming on the earth at the end of the age. So there's many identifiers. Let's just talk for a minute about um, uh, the wrath of God, the day of the Lord. There's there's many identifiers of it in the Bible. The day is identified um, not only as the great tribulation by Jesus himself in Matthew 24, but it's also here described as the day of God's wrath. They knew God's wrath from the Old Testament was referencing what Jesus called the great tribulation and the Old Testament prophets identified as the day of the Lord or the wrath of God. Daniel again identified as Daniel's 70th week uh, Jeremiah identifies it as a day of Jacob's trouble. Um, it's also called in Revelation chapter 6, the wrath of the Lamb and the great day of his wrath. Wrath of the Lamb is Revelation 6.16 and, and the, the great day of his wrath is Revelation 6.17. So um, there are these other names for the day of the Lord used at various times in the Old Testament. In fact, this whole list is given in your premier study Bible uh, as a note uh, on Revelation 6.16 um, or 6.17, one of the two. Uh, and, but, but all of these are used throughout the Old Testament or the New Testament in reference to the day of the Lord. So when you're reading your Bible and you see these, you will know that it's referencing this period of time at the, at the end. And so it's also called the last days. It's also called that day, just those two words, that day, that day shall come. Uh, it's also referenced as in that day, in that day shall come. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that it's referenced as a great tribulation. It's also referenced as the days of vengeance. It's also referenced as the days uh, or the day of uh, affliction um, it's also referenced as the hour of temptation. It's also referenced as the wrath of the lamb. It's also referenced as the great day of his wrath. And also, as I already mentioned, it's mentioned as the wrath of God. And so you can find all of these, again, on the, on the, the Premier Study Bible note on Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17. And so each of these phrases at some point are used in the Bible. There may be more phrases, but that's just a fairly comprehensive list of some of the words used to identify the day of the Lord. So the phrase the day of the Lord comes from the Old Testament prophets who used it extensively. Sometimes they would shorten it to these other um, statements that, that we've just made, to these other phrases. So it's, it's what we would call an eschatological phrase. Eschatological comes from eschaton, which means in things, end of things. And so uh, eschatology is the study of last things. So when we talk about the, those being eschatological phrases, they are phrases which in the Bible you can identify clearly. This is an eschatological phrase. And it indicates this brief period of time at the end of this age, which is going to come and which will close with the second coming. The age won't close with the rapture, it will close with the second coming, in which God is going to bring a consummation of judgment upon the nations of the world and upon Israel as his wayward Old Testament people. And particularly, he's bringing judgment on them. 
It also includes the repentance of Israel. They will see who he is. They will, the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 11 that presently uh, blindness in part has happened to Israel. But that blindness is going to be removed and uh, there's going to be a return to Israel. It's very clear. You can't read it and, and make it say anything else. Uh, Romans eleven twenty five, 25, and uh, upon the repentance of Israel, there will be a great throng during this day of the Lord that will have repented. And there will be 12,000 from each tribe that will, that will come to this knowledge. And there will be 144,000 there. And this 144,000 will, they'll be preachers. They will disseminate the good news that this is indeed the Messiah, and Gentiles will also accept it. And both of these groups will come to a recognition of Christ as Lord and Messiah, and they will come out of the great tribulation and be taken to heaven. The Bible is clear about this, and there are scriptures which make this very clear. Zechariah 14, 8, 21, Malachi 3, 17, Revelation 7, 9 through 14 tells us that this is a, this group is going to be there. Now, the church escapes all of this tribulation. 144,000 is not the church. And this, this, these Gentiles that come through the 144,000 are coming in under Israel. That's not the church. The church escapes this. They escape the wrath of God. They escape the great tribulation. They are delivered from it. Paul said it very clearly in 1 Thessalonians more than once that we have been delivered from this. This will be the time when the man of sin will be revealed and there will be intense persecution and trouble, such as according to Jesus, that there has never been upon the earth like this before. And this great throng will come out of this day of the Lord, which shall come out of great tribulation and will have washed their robes, Revelation says, and made them white in the blood of the lamb. This is all in fulfillment of God's promises of faithfulness to Israel and his promises to them. And when you read this, you will see that all of this occurs in the day of the Lord. But the church is raptured out prior to this.